Hi everyone, this is Thea Sanders, CEO and founder of Naya Beauty. Welcome back to Naya Unfiltered, where I get to interview interesting people and get their unfiltered take on all things beauty. Today's episode, I get to sit down and talk with beauty entrepreneur, Diana Madison. You may know her from her luxurious facial oil, Glotopia, but did you also know that she's basically a media mogul? Join us in our conversation where she discusses her start in creating a media empire and finding inspiration for Glotopia in a pharmacy. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I can hear you now. Hey, hello. I'm so happy to have you on today because I've been waiting to talk to you. I've been like obsessed with your Instagram and like listening to your stories. And it's like amazing, by the way, like the content in your stories. It's like so riveting when you're doing updates about Armenia. And I love your tutorials with Glotopia. I just, I've got a lot. I've got a lot. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to chat with you. Uh, I've heard so much about you through my mutual friend, Toria. I, um, I love women entrepreneurs, seeing females killing it in beauty and business. So I'm excited to chat with you as well. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, guys, I have Diana Madison here um, from Glotopia, her beautiful line of facial oil. Um, you probably have seen her Instagram feed at uh, Diana Madison. And I have her here today to talk about her life on Naya Beauty Unfiltered. So Diana, please introduce yourself to our viewers. Hey everybody, I'm Diana Madison. I am the CEO and founder of Diana Madison Beauty and I also act and I'm an influencer and I'm excited to be here to chat with you about all things related to beauty, female entrepreneur and just like, I don't know, it's just such a great time to be a woman, right? A diverse. It's so weird because you think about like a couple years ago when it was like, girl boss and boss babe and boss bitch and it was just like more of just a title or a word but it seems like now it really means something i mean like you don't have to say boss babe right, right. It, there's weight behind it today right I, I feel like why do we have to explain it as um you know like like a girl boss like why can't we just be boss right why right. does it have to be like associated being females like we're just we're just a good boss we're just an awesome boss right Yes, it's just part of being a woman. So let me ask you, what is your definition of beauty? Beauty for me has been interesting because a definition 10 years ago is way different than a definition today. The definition a year ago is way different than the definition today. And I think with COVID, my definition of beauty has changed. And I think beauty is being the best authentic version of yourself and just owning it and loving it and just being comfortable in your own skin. If you asked me what beauty was maybe five years ago, it would have been a complete different definition. I think it was more about like, you know, vanity. But now I feel like with what we've gone through in the last couple of months with COVID, uh, I think beauty's within. So it's a different definition for me. I totally agree. I think that, you know, um, beauty was more superficial years ago right and even the look of beauty was different and who you saw on magazine covers and on tv shows and then it started to get diverse there's more diversity there's more authenticity right and people were able to take more risks and now it's way more internal it's about like you know not shaming others it's about supporting others it's about 
being confident in yourself. Like that's beautiful, right? All shapes and sizes and ages. Right. You know, I'm listening to this podcast and, um, and the first one, it's like riveting for me. And they were talking about how women over 40 become invisible and about, you know, they, they was the podcast done. Was it recent? Yeah. No, I disagree with this. I mean, that could, it could be an amazing podcast, but I disagree. You'll look at JLo. She's in her fifties and I feel okay. like, oh, but it's like, it's true. But I think in the past they tended to be invisible, but now, now, yeah, not anymore. It's a different world. There is a market and niche for all types of like ages and ethnicities and sizes and socioeconomic backgrounds. Like it's no longer a, like a world we live in that's just one-sided. We have like multi-dimensional sides to what the world is like and what type of people are on this world. So I, I, I actually feel like more and more people are getting empowered and they're like, four, I'm not 40 yet, but... I'm close to it. You know, I'm going to get there soon in a couple of years, but uh, I feel like more and more women we see owning it. Like Kim Kardashian just turned 40 and she owns it, you know, and I see like people like JLo and then Cher, she's like in her seventies. And then you see Elon Musk's mom, who is also, I think in her like late seventies, right? I'm not sure exactly her age, but she's up there. Right. And she is on the, she's the face of cover girl. So I think like those old stories of like, what is what at what age is just out the, out the door it's right outdated, now. Isn't it? It's so outdated. Right. It's like, Very archaic. Yes. It's like, whatever you think is beautiful is beautiful. Whatever you right. find is beautiful. It's kind of like what they say, right? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Right. Whatever. It, yeah. Before, like, you know, there was only like one avenue to get like your information about whatever it is. And now it's communities. Communities decide what is what they want to see and hear and what they find beautiful, what they don't find beautiful. So it's no longer like you go to one avenue of like, you know, back in the days, it was like one TV channel or two TV channels. And they told us what beautiful was with advertising. And now it's not even about cable. It's not even about like streaming. It's like, people's communities on social media like we are dictating with each community like what we find beautiful and what we find attractive and what we find to be what's right and what's wrong so uh that podcast i'm not uh, i've never heard of it and i'm sure they're doing an amazing job but with that i would disagree <laughs> oh right but you know oh just to clarify they were saying that's how it used to be and oh, it's not that's like that. great. good amazing yeah. I <laughs> it's not like that now, which is great. No. It's more empowering. It's like, you know, it's confidence. I, I love it. So you're in the beauty world. You have so many hats. You're an actress. I just saw that you um, posted on your Instagram that you got casted in a movie. So congratulations. Now, I don't know if you can talk about it a little bit, but there's so much to your resume. I'll tell you my, my journey, you know, my journey was really simple. Like I'm a child of Armenian immigrants, grew up in little Armenia in Hollywood. And I always wanted to be on camera, have my own talk show. I wanted to follow in the footsteps of Oprah, Ellen DeGeneres. And I started working for Entertainment Tonight Insider straight out of college. And I worked at E! News. And I realized that they were never going to hire me there. And this isn't something I had made up in my head. Um, a year ago, I sat down with a, a, a high exec producer that was from those shows. And she said, you were never going to get hired there. The best thing you did was leave there and start your own thing. So I did, I had left Entertainment Tonight after two years of working there because I moved up the ranks really quickly 
but I intuitively felt and knew they were never going to hire me there as an on-camera talent. There are mm -hmm. certain things you have to do to be an on-camera talent, go to a small town, do local news, like, and even so, like, to be in the LA market is very competitive, very difficult. And so I left and started a YouTube channel only for the purpose of creating a reel to get a manager to do the traditional way, right? Okay. And my YouTube channel took off. And at that time, YouTube was in beta. It wasn't like what it is today where everybody has a YouTube channel because that's what we do. Um, back in the day, it was unheard of for you to leave this job at Paramount Studios to launch a YouTube channel, a website that's in beta and has cat videos, right? So I, it was very risky, but I did it and I didn't know what I was doing. That's the best part, but ended up being a whole business in itself. I ended up creating this digital media studios. I just recently sold the YouTube channels to Radio One, TV One in November of 2019. And so when I sold it, I didn't realize we we're going to go into COVID. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I thought intuitively it was the right time to sell because I was doing it for 14 years. I was, um, I lost passion in it, even though I loved my staff and I loved working with them day in and day out. That's like probably what I miss most, but I had lost passion in it. I didn't want to um, run a business. I just wanted to go back to my roots of like, I wanted to be doing on camera. Now, look, I was doing the on-camera stuff there, but it just wasn't to the extent that I wanted to. So also at the same time, I had executive produced a show for Lifetime, a beauty competition show, and I wanted to get into the beauty world, just didn't know exactly how. And I didn't want to jump into it, be like, let me just put my name on a product and call it a beauty brand. I really wanted to be like, if I'm launching it, like I need to know what I'm doing, right? Like I need to be passionate about it. It needs to represent me. And I think this is where brands are going. It's about stories. It's about like what the brand represents. It's no longer about like so much about like a brand. It's more about like who is behind a brand. What does it represent? Does it go with their ideals, their philosophy and all that? And so I had a bad case of eczema after I had my daughter Colette at the same time as I launched this show, right? And I went to the local dermatologist. They were like, you need to hydrate your skin, clean beauty. Now, Five years ago, clean beauty wasn't a hashtag. It was literally like, I'm like, wait, what's clean beauty? Right. And like, go to Rite Aid, look into Cetaphil and all these brands. And yep. I did. So I went to Rite Aid and I looked at the sections I was supposed to be shopping. And I looked to my right, it was this woman with the oxygen tank. And I was just like, wow. Like, you know, I just was, I just had a moment there. I was like, wait, like, why, why? you know, why are we doing some kind of renaissance with clean beauty? Like, why does clean beauty look like this, which was yeah, not, it's not sexy. It wasn't sexy. Not sexy. Like I'm looking for the Versace of beauty. I'm not looking, you know, I want to feel good when I buy the product. And I just was like, this needs to be redone. And I saw, I, I put on the business thinking cap, which is like, as an influencer and entrepreneur, you learn, like if there's something missing in the market, Somebody else is probably looking for it and create it. And it took me four years to really like launch one SKU. And I know like a lot of brands will launch a lot more, but for me, it was really important to be like, is this going to work? Um, you know, this isn't like something that um, I am very educated about, you know, I'm learning slowly. And I, I knew like if I was going to launch it, I wanted to see if it was going to be a success. And I wanted to see if I liked it because here I am coming from like already having my own company. Okay. Having, staff of many people so i just wanted to make sure it was going to be something i wanted to do uh, and not just jump into it where i invest so much money and i'm just kind of like oh, i don't know so in one year that i launched it last year because in august it was my one year anniversary um the outcome was insane 
And that just proves that like I was onto something where like people are looking for a product like this. So I just created a face oil that was very hydrating. It could taste prickly pear seed oil. It's like a blend I created, clean beauty. And it literally is something I created for like skincare for makeup, you know, skincare that like looks sexy on your bathroom counter, but is effective as well. And like where I'm going with this skincare brand is like, I want it to heal people's skins. And then I want it to be like the Versace of skincare, which is like super sexy. Like I want people to feel good about themselves, especially for moms, because Look, I'm a mom of two, and when I had just had Colette, I was in a really bad place. Look, I had a bad case of eczema on my eyelids, my face. Like, I never had this stuff before. I, you know, at the same time, I was dealing with postpartum, and there were so many emotions that ran in my head when I was standing there next to that woman at Rite Aid. Like, I can't explain to you. It's like the weirdest emotions you feel, and you just don't feel good about yourself. You don't feel pretty. You don't feel worthy. And I just really wanted to create something that was going to help, like, my mom community, to feel good about themselves, feel refreshed, you know? Cause I felt like I was drinking a lot of coffee, not getting much sleep and my skin, I was losing like the elasticity. I was losing that glow that you have, right? You do sleep and you do have time to like be, you know, taking care of yourself. And I wanted to create a scent that made people feel like they're at a spa, even though they're not. Like, look, I didn't know we were gonna come into COVID where now it's like home self-care all day. I learned it was like, fuck like this i'm sorry could i curse yes okay yes. i was like damn like i just need to feel good right now like i want i'm home all day with the kids you know like I, i'm in that first initial months of having a baby like i want to feel good about myself at home like self i didn't know self-care is going to be a thing you know four years later I mean, yeah when you go down those aisles it seems like it's all medicated and you know, it's not sexy. And then you look at the other aisles, even in Rite Aid or whatever, it's like you see these models and these beautiful faces and there's like nothing when you're talking about clean beauty, how it used to be. And right. now it's like, you knew it. And the, but the thing is like, you needed to take it, you needed to use it, but you wanted to feel good about using it. Right. right. Not right. something that's just my medicine. No, and I just didn't want exactly like my whole goal with Dynamatis and Beauty is to help people heal. Um, after one year, like, you know, Vogue wrote about the product. I'm in InStyle Magazine this month. I realized like, okay, Diana, like we're going to do product number two. So in the last year I've been working on product number two, uh, I'm going to launch in the next three weeks, God willing. The problem now with COVID is everything is on a delay. Everything yes. is slow. The, the warehousing, everything, right? Everything everything. So this was supposed to launch in May and here I am October and I'm thinking now it's probably going to be after the elections because I don't want to launch a product during elections. Right. Um, and I feel like the next couple of weeks is going to be pretty crazy here in the US. Like, you know, from what I'm seeing with like the ballots and the, the yes. votes, like I'm like, I don't think this is going to be just November 4th. Like the craziness is going to continue. I mean, you've been really, um, promoting your Glotopia, your facial oil on your Instagram. And it's, it's not funny, but it's sad. It saddened me when I saw your story, like you've been very vocal about the conflict in Armenia. And then yeah. you said like, look at all these bots. They're giving me bad reviews. Like, you know, how did that, how did that make you feel in the sense that this is your baby, you know, and this is something that you're talking about that you feel really passionate about. And people are trying, and you were like, you know, you're going to try to silence me. You're going to try to bully me. It's not going to happen. I'm still going to speak it, but it was affecting your baby. Oh, 
it's so hard for me to talk about it because it's really messed up what's going on down there right now. You know, I am born and raised in LA. My parents came here um, during the Soviet Union. They like came here um, as political refugees. And for me, like LA has been my home. Uh, I've been to Armenia once. I hope to change that hopefully in the next year and go back and visit. But LA has been my home. And there's always been this kind of sadness within Armenians that like, because of the genocide, um, there's 11 million Armenians outside of Armenia and only 3 million Armenians in Armenia. So imagine all these people were displaced. And there's always been this like sadness about it. And when this whole situation in Armenia happened, it was alarming to most Armenians because um, Azerbaijan is uh, being an aggressor in the region of Nagorno-Karabakh called Artsakh in Armenia. And they're trying to like fight for survival. But when you hear about them saying stuff like this is we're going to end the genocide, that is really alarming for me. You know, that triggers something in a lot of Armenians in the diaspora. And I felt like I had to talk about it. Like I am here for a reason. I, if it didn't happen, the genocide, I wouldn't be here in the United States. Right. And, um, and so I decided to speak out about it and raise money. And by the way, everybody in the Armenian community has raised money for the Armenian Fund from Kim Kardashian to her sisters to, you know, Serge Tonkin from Sister Vidal. Like famous Armenians are raising money for Armenia Fund, which is helping people that are displaced. So I decided to do the same. I decided for one week, give 100% of the sales to Armenia Fund. And I had these Azerbaijani bots. Um, not only were they like, sending me like death threats, harassing me, like I could take that. But when they went on the Revolve website, which is like my retailer, and started leaving um, nasty comments, like there's chemicals in here, she's funding terrorism. I'm like, funding terrorism? Like, this is so crazy. I'm like, do I look like I would fund terrorism? I'm just speaking up to these voices. Right. And it's so sad. And Revolve has been an amazing partner because Revolve literally it took down the comment section and the star section because it was like, they would delete, it would come back in a minute. Like it was nonstop. And then they hacked into my website. So for two days, I didn't have my website. And it was like, listen, it was annoying as hell. It took me days to get it, change a hosting company. But like, there's people losing their lives. Like a whole generation of young kids are losing their lives in Armenia to like protect their existence. And so I'm like, I'll take this heat. Like, let them give me a one-star review. I'll take it. Let them keep sending me and ha like hacked into my website and they sent it to a Canadian Viagra website. I was kind of laughing because I was like, this is getting really creative, you know, they're very creative. But this is a situation that all of us should be worried about because these bots are the same type of bots. They're bot farms in Azerbaijan. Same type of bots that are like messing with our elections, that are messing with like our livelihoods on social media. So this isn't just about like me getting harassed because I spoke up about Armenians. Like this is something that like Facebook and Instagram should be taking into account that these bots exist that like are causing havoc and are causing like harm on social media. Like they should be able to filter that out. So have you always been an activist? Because it sounds like you're an activist. No, I'm not an activist. <laughs> like definitely not something I've ever imagine being next to my name i never talk about politics like all this time everybody's been like you know very political i don't it's just like i studied political science in college like i have a bachelor's in that that's what i studied but like it was only to make my parents happy because they wanted me to be a lawyer because it's like you don't become a host or an actress or an influencer you just you're either a lawyer or your doctor if you're going to college right 
So, um, mom too. So (laughs) you know that it's either a lawyer, doctor, nothing in between. So I did study political science, uh, but all this time during this craziness that's going down here in the U.S., I've been very quiet about politics. It's just not my thing. Um, Speaking up against um, what's happening in Armenia, and especially I was speaking up for BLM. I just felt like it's not right to have injustice against any type of people. Like we're all the same. We're all one. We're all equal. And I think COVID has really, really like shown that, that you could be from any economic background, you could be from any religion, any and we're all sitting with the same four walls, dealing with the same issues. Like no one is above another. And I really felt that during COVID, um, that was really strong for me, right? That like we're all one and united. And if it affects one, if, if my friend is being affected by BLM, like it's gonna be affecting me because that's my friend and I can see them hurting, right? right? And it's been the same with me because I'm really hurting about this crisis in Armenia and just the fact that you asked me about it. And you know, my friends have been standing up and posting on social media who aren't Armenian shows that like I'm affecting them because they see the pain that I have. So we're all connected. You know, it's really right. important for all of us to know that we're all equal. We're all, no one's better than one another. And I guess like now there's the word activist next to my name. I'm not trying to be an activist. So I'm really upset about what's going on down there. And right. there, you know, I know Trump was trying to like start like a ceasefire and Azerbaijan declined the ceasefire. And it's just really sad because I really want there to be peace in that region. And just this war is, it needs to end. It's like no point for this war. So you've talked about COVID a couple of times and, you know, during this pandemic and the shutdown, because, you know, I'm in California. Yeah. So was there something that surprised you about yourself during the shutdown, during this pandemic? Did you find yes. something new about yourself? Yes. Well, First of all, if, I, if you knew me before COVID, Gloria knew, knew me before COVID. Look, before COVID, I was on a plane going somewhere all the time. And okay. it was fun and exciting. And I, um, I look back and I'm like, wow, like I had a pretty good life, but I was never content or satisfied. And in my head, it was not enough. And in my head, I hadn't reached where I was supposed to reach. And now I look back and I'm like, wait, why was I complaining? Like this, <laughs> why was I complaining? And I think something that I really wanted to do with Diana Madison Beauty was have a factor to it to give back. Cause I did realize that like, God, I've been so lucky and fortunate. And I think it's important now at this point in my life to give back through the, you know, the, the beauty brand. And it's not just about me anymore. It's about giving back. And Uh, I just recently wrote a script during COVID uh, for a project that I've been wanting to do for a long time about Armenians. And it didn't, it took COVID to sit my ass down and be like, write it. (laughs) And when I look at that project, it's not about me anymore. It really isn't. Like, yes, I'm the vessel that like, you know, puts down in in writing what the show is, but it's not about me anymore. And I think that's what I've learned about COVID is it's not about me anymore. And even with my beauty brand, it's not about me and my name. It's about like, I'm helping people with their skin and also the philanthropy aspect of it. Right. So what I love with COVID is it's not about us anymore. Like this is a war that we're having um, to really unite and to really live life. Because I think what I didn't do much before, even though I did have this amazing lifestyle, I really wasn't living. I was living like, all right, what's next? Okay. We're here. 
What's next? All right, I just launched this. What's next? I never took time to appreciate the launch of my product because I was kind of like, all right, what's the next step? Or what's, what are we doing now? Hustling. Like, yeah. Right. And I just feel like it's great to hustle. I think I'm a natural born hustler. And, but I feel like at some point you need to just be like, I need to be present and take it in and enjoy it. And just know that. down. And sometimes like in stillness, the most amazing things happen when you're not pushing so much, but that literally when you let go and you just receive. But I think I had a different philosophy before COVID. My philosophy was to keep pushing because we're mm-hmm. going to get it. And now it's kind of like push, let go, receive. So then did you set any intentions at the beginning of 2020? Oh like my God. Pandemic? Let me just tell you my intentions. Like Let's I was in Tulum in January and I was like setting up an intention storm. Oh, this is happening this year. This is happening this year. This is the year. Yeah. And I look back at January and Tulum, and now I'm like, oh, if I only knew. If I only knew, you know? Um, if I only knew what was going to happen in the next year. Nobody would have ever thought that would be this. Nobody, nobody. Like, you see these movies, you know, like Outbreak or whatever, Contagion, and you're like, that's just Hollywood. But then to live it when the governor comes on and says, Hey, everyone has to stay home. That was crazy. Wasn't that the craziest moment? Craziest moment. And so, like the, when they see, show the pictures of LA, the freeways, is that not freaky? So today, as I was, you know, coming back home, uh, I dropped off my kids at school. By the way, my kids had a recital today. I had to watch it on Zoom. I was very emotional before I got on the call with you because it's like weird. Like I want to be there. And you can't be there. And they're like saying hi at the camera. And I'm just like, they're so resilient because they don't know the difference. They think it's amazing. And here I am like, my heart is breaking. I was driving through Hollywood and it's crazy. You look at Hollywood Boulevard and you look at the the walk of like the, you know, like the Chinese theater and it's empty. They have like walls. It's like shut down. Uh Uh-huh. There was like a gate at the Chinese theater. I saw it this morning. I wanted to record it, but I was driving, so I wanted to be responsible. But I wanted to record a show of people like, it's empty. No tourists, uh, you know, no, no Spider-Man and Batman hanging out in front of the Chinese theater. Empty. And it was eerie. It was really eerie. And um, it makes me sad. It makes me sad because this pandemic is awful. There's a lot of people that have lost their lives. At the same time, it's awful because it's something that we never dealt with before, before in the modern age. So I just think it's awful in general. Like, do we need to shut down the whole country? Did we, I mean, is it the right thing that we did or should we have not had done that? I don't really know the answers to be honest. And that's what- Uncharted territory for us, right? Uncharted territory. And I think no matter which way you go, you're in like a mess, you know? Because like you're home all day long. I feel like that. And I was telling a friend of mine and I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm not going to be here like, oh, I have this amazing life. I got this. Like- I told my friend yesterday, like, it's really hard for me working from home. I'm, a, I'm not a homebody. I love to be around people. Zoom isn't enough for me. I need human contact. I like, I, need- be, I like to have that human interaction. I want to look at a person in the eye and be right. across from them. Right. Yeah. And it's starting to affect me. It really is. Like, okay, I'm working from home and, you know, I think I'm doing fine. But for the most part, I think it's starting to affect me psychologically. It's, like, kind of depressing. I don't yeah. want to be home. I want to be out. 
about, right? And then you're out and about and it's a little bit weird. So it's like, yeah. if I go to a lunch yesterday, which I did, I had a birthday party for a girlfriend. So we were seven girls and we had to sit at two tables at six feet distance. And it was like, it was kind of weird. We all said, why do we even do this? We could have just yeah. gone to someone's house. And it was the weirdest thing. And everyone's very uptight. Like, no, we can't do this. And no extra chair. And, and it was just like, why did we even do this? Right. And it's just not the same. It's just really weird. And, um, and I get it. It's rules. We got to follow it. Right. But it was, I can't, I can't help to say like, it was a weird situation. Well, I guess it's like, I think this year and COVID and the pandemic has really highlighted a lot of things in this country that maybe we just either brushed under the rug or we were too busy hustling. We really didn't pay attention to. And right. you touched upon a lot of them, like, you know, social injustice, racial injustice, and then mental issues, you know, like being like, okay, it's starting to affect me, like in my thinking. And that's highlighting like, oh, this, the COVID situation it's not only like hurting you like physically and you could die from it, but it also, there's other casualties like mental health. Right. right. And so that's something that like now all of a sudden um, we have to discuss that not only just like with beauty, redefining beauty, but also redefining what is mental health. Right. And bringing it to the forefront. It's like, I feel like this year has really caused us to be introspective and really think about things. Right. right. I and think have, honestly, like, our conversations. These are really uncomfortable, hard conversations to have. Um, I think that we're going to start seeing certain types of mental illnesses like appear in the next couple of years that we didn't have before. And I think we don't even have names for it and like maybe COVID blues or I don't know, but I do feel like this is going to have a serious effect on people. And, and look, I'm not here promoting, like, let's go back to our old lives. Like there's obviously something going around that's affecting people. I've known a lot of people that got COVID, right? It's just like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm home and I'm depressed. And then I go for a lunch and I'm just more depressed because it's like weird and awkward. And then, yeah. and then it's just a really weird time. But the silver lining is, you know, I get to spend so much time with my kids that I did it before. And I'm just like, why well, was it working so much and not spending like as much time as I wanted to with my kids. And, and now I get to do that, which is like beautiful. Um, the silver lining is we're getting to like, you know, appreciate what really matters in life and really prioritizing, reorganizing what's important, what's not. Um, because uh, before COVID, I think I would say yes to a lot of things and not think twice. It was just like, yes, yes, next, next, yes, yes. And now it's kind of like, no, that doesn't really work with me. And now I think everything I do comes with a purpose. And I think before COVID, it was just like, whatever. Yeah, let's go for it. Next. Let's go for it. Next. That was the attitude that I had. And I'm not saying it's the right attitude, but at least now with COVID, I've shifted. I've changed. I've and like, you know, I think I've grown a lot as a human being. I've learned a lot about myself and learned a lot about like what's important in our in, in life for me. And I think everybody's probably going through that in their own like bubble of like, what's important for me in my life. And I think the one thing I realized and I keep stressing it, but it's like, I'm not alone. And I think that like, everybody's going through this. Like if it was just me going through this, I'd be like, right, there's a problem, but we're all going through it. So I think it's important to like, going through these changes of like really finding out about ourselves. Right. right. You know, um, I remember like when the first shutdown, it was like so different and weird. And there was a period of time where I slept a lot, you know, and it's and okay, by the way. And it's okay. 
<laughs> you know, and then, and then it's like, it's okay to forgive yourself, right? And give you this grace. And then it was like, okay, I don't have anything to do. What am I going to do? Because it was like everything had shut down and what I didn't have any like real work, right? And then it's like, okay, it's time to go back to work. Like this is going to be our new normal. So just deal with it and you adapt, right? Like you talk about your kids being resilient. I think like we're resilient too. Like we have to adapt. So you must have pivoted from your 2020 intentions, right? And how did you pivot? It pivoted in a different way. Pivoted in a way that I didn't expect I would pivot. So um, I think when I started the 2020 intentions, it was strictly like work, 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 work. That was the intention. And now when I look back, I feel like I've learned some lessons that like just that I would probably never have learned if it wasn't for 2020. Lessons about like who I am, what I want for myself, what I want with my life. and. Um, and my family and with my friends like these are things that were not in my intentions and now it's like a part of like a big part of who I've become in 2020 my work you know like I'm gonna be honest with you Monday I don't know if it's like mercury retrograde but like this week has been really hard for me and I don't know if it's the crisis in army that's really taking a toll on me but like I Monday had um, a UTI and usually I get UTIs you know, I can, I could pow out. I could pow through it. It's fine. And Monday I just couldn't, I just like laid in bed. I literally had soup. I ordered, I got a bag of hot Cheetos and I was watching Emily in Paris. And that was like Love Monday. It. And I had to accept that. Like, yeah. and that's I, okay. Like you said, that's okay. It's okay. And it happens and it, it happens. happens. It shit happens. And you have to just like really just slow your ass down. Like I said, like, you know, I've been going so hard and like working and working. And then all of a sudden it's so weird for the past couple of weeks. I mean, it's changed now, but my husband's like, you realize like three o'clock it's on the dot. You have to take a nap, like literally for like 15 minutes or 20 minutes. And then I get like re-energized again, but it came out of nowhere. I've never been a nap person. And it felt like, oh my God, I'm kind of weak that I have to take a nap. And it's like, you know what? Once I just said, you know what? Allow yourself this. You need this. And I'm the same way every day, um, not with a nap, but with meditation, but which is kind of like, you know, right. And um, every day I know the time that comes that I got to meditate. Actually, after we do our session, I think I'm going to meditate because I just feel it that my body is needing it to like relax and just recharge. Did I meditate two times a day before? Like hell no. Right. <laughs> and now it's become like drinking water for me. Like it's survival. Meditation now, self-care is survival. So then is that how you recharge yourself now? Is that is yeah. meditation? How did you recharge before? Oh my God. How did I recharge? I didn't recharge. I think that was the big issue. I wasn't recharging. And even when I thought, I, like we would go on vacations and I remember going on vacations with my husband and we wouldn't even relax on vacations. It was like this activity and going here and going there and then we're partying here. And like, it was never a relaxation. And um, now I'm actually realizing what, it's, what it means to relax. Relaxing is stillness. That's what it means to me right now. Being still and being able to receive. And um, relaxing now is like eating good, eating like plant-based stuff more than, you know, meat. I, I eat meat and I'm always like, I go back and forth being a vegan and not. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sometimes I'm a fake vegan. Like I try to 
there's times where I get really grossed out by me. So then I'll go on like a, like a cut for a month and then I get, I get caught back into it, but it's okay. I can't pressure myself. It's just how I feel. If I want to eat it, I do. If I'm grossed out by it, I stop. But I do notice the more I eat healthier, the better it is for me. Yeah. I do like an 80, 20 where Monday through Friday, I just, I don't eat meat. And then on the weekends, but then I, you know, on the weekends, it's just, I don't know, like I just, I'm dying for it. But then on, on Sunday, I'm just like, ugh, you know, I can feel the difference in my I body. Need to do that. I need to do that. You know, so it's kind of like a balance, you know, cause I'm half Korean, um, half African-American and like my mom's a Buddhist and it's all about moderation. Right. So I can't like go all the way. So I have to just like go in the middle, like, okay, this is a compliment. Oh. I went to Korean barbecue Sunday. They opened one that I love by my house and I had so much meat. You have no idea. <laughs> Did you have the kalbi? Huh? Did you have the kalbi? Yes, of course. Yes, yes. And, um, and now the last three days I haven't eaten meat because I ate so much on Sunday, but it's so good. Like it's I could. So good. Korean barbecue. I could, it's like literally my favorite type of food, Mexican yeah. food, Korean food, and Armenian food, like ethnic food. Let's just say it. ethnic food yeah. is just so good. <laughs> so now when we talk about beauty and confidence, um, what do you think is going to happen with makeup and the evolution of makeup when with integrating with COVID, when you have to wear a mask? You know, like it's normally like, oh, a bold red lip. And we right. talk about makeup and beauty and confidence hand in hand. But if you have to hide it behind your mask, how do you think people are going to shine through? Well, I mean, definitely the eyes got to be working. We got to get the lashes. We got to get the mascara. Um, I, my friend Raquel Lizama, he does makeup for Beyonce and um, a lot of the biggest stars in the world, Ariana Grande, Kim Kardashian. He just launched his eyelash line. And I, I find his eyelashes like awesome because there's like natural ones and you can wear like dramatic ones. Um, and then I tried this mascara the other day. My friend um, who owns Girl Actic Beauty, she created this mascara on one end. Uh, it's defining on the other I end. I saw that. Yeah. And you know what? I've been using that every day. Honest has a good mascara too that they launched that's very similar. But um, I've been paying more attention to the eyes. Like today, I'm wearing the makeup by Mario, new collection that he has, the eyeshadow palette. Like I've been paying more attention to the eyes. And to be honest, I've been paying a lot of attention to my skin because, um, you know, at home, I, if I'm wearing makeup to do a Zoom, uh, today's different. I got all dressed up for you. But if I'm doing so makeup, yeah, got all dressed decked out for you. But if I'm doing makeup for like a Zoom it's literally like, it's my product with a foundation. It's my product with the tinted moisturizer. So it's, it's my product with a moisturizer. Like, and you know, there's days where I don't just, I just have my product on and I have like mascara and then I have like a natural like lip stain. Right. Um, I think like the mask hasn't bothered me so much. Cause I, like I mentioned, I don't go out as much. Right. I, it's more of like the zooms and the like social media videos I do. Um, so for the most part, like I've, I've noticed it's been more about the skin and the natural blush, which I see you have like a natural blush and like a natural I tried to like, get for you, you know, usually um, I'm like, Oh, I'm like, let, let me take a shower, right. you know, cause when you're working from home and then I'm like, right. I see, I I see your lips are like, you know, it's like very natural. And I think that's where makeup is going. It's just like how you are at home. Like it just enhancing it. Cause right. obviously 
we want to look our best when we're on these like Zoom meetings and calls. So, but it's like enhancing your natural beauty. I have been doing my eyebrows, I would say every day. Well, they look beautiful. Well, I'll tell you why. Because I have very thick Armenian hair. And if I don't do my eyebrows, it's like the 405 freeway goes in every direction. So my <laughs> eyebrows, I brush it out every day. And so I've been using the Anastasia tools to do that. I mean, I was going to ask you, and of course, I know what your answer is going to be. Like, what's the secret um, product or cosmetic product in your arsenal that, you know, that you just live by? And I would probably say Glotopia. No, I've been it not just because it's my product. Look, I created it for a reason. I needed it. I needed something that, look, I drink a lot of coffee. I'm addicted to coffee and I'm not saying it in this good way, like, like take a picture of your coffee. Like, you know, no, I'm addicted to coffee as we speak. I got to show you as we speak, this is a fresh coffee. And right before that, when I dropped off my kids, I have my no! coffee. I am addicted to coffee. It's something that I need to like work on. How do you even get to sleep at night then? Oh, I could drink coffee at night. <laughs> this is for an Armenian, an Armenian espresso, and I could still pass out. I bet you that's like strong as hell, huh? Strong as hell. It's like literally four shots in one, and I could sleep. Are you serious? Huh? If I need to sleep, I need to sleep. But coffee gets me going because I do do a lot of things in a day. And so for me, my skin is very dry, very dehydrated. I don't drink too much alcohol as much as my problem is coffee. So for me, I have to constantly hydrate my skin and I'm always like having like a loss of elasticity, I feel like, and collagen, I'm getting older now, like I'm not like 21. So for me, my product I created because I needed something to use like that every day. But um, also what I do, which I'll tell you, it's like a secret of mine. Um, and you know, anybody could do this. You don't need to buy a product to do this is go to Whole Foods and buy a aloe vera brand like a you know leaf okay every day and i use it on my skin and it gets tight it's so hydrating uh-oh that's and a big secret yes and you could also mix it in your um you could mix it in your smoothie at home and okay. you could i put it all over my body and i uh i literally just cut the leaf and just do it in half and, and it costs the leaf is like i don't know five dollars not even that's my beauty tip of the day. Yes. So closing, I'd like to know where you think beauty is going to go. How do you think it's going to evolve? Huh. It's interesting because I think more and more it's, you know, we're getting more uh, transparent, right? You can't say one thing and do another. Like you have to be really like honest, straight to the point. Right. So you know, there's a lot of brands I was using before um, I created Diana Madison Beauty that were not, they were like God's gift to skincare, but they were not clean. So I can't use things like that that are going to harm my skin. So it's like, we're looking at like health benefits. Um, you know, even like sometimes like I get like lip glosses sent to me and they like heal and nourish your lips or, you know, they got CBD in the mascara. Like I think like we're going towards a place where it's not just about like looking pretty. It's like it, the product has to do something to help, you know, your skin or your face in some right. way form. Like, it's just not about like, but listen, and then there's like amazing brands that create awesome colors and pigments. And I feel like there's a market for that. Um, I think though, for the most part, we're going to a place where no matter what you do in beauty, you have to be really honest. You have to have a story 
because people aren't buying beauty products for beauty products. They're buying your story. Right. They're part of your community. Uh, and I always say that because it's true. Like people are, people, there'll be times, many times where I'll post people's pictures and then I post my picture and I'll get the most sales. And it's because my followers are following me. They relate to me. Right. So I totally agree. I think that, you know, especially when you're introducing a new product or a new brand, the, the consumer is really connecting to you, to your right. story. They're believing in you, right? right. Then it's like, okay, I'm going to give you a chance because it really resonates with me. And I think that there's so much noise out there. There's so many indie products, there's so many brands that it really has to do with the founder and what's the story behind it. Is it compelling? And do I believe in this story? Do I want to support it? And you've been like super honest and like, you know, revealing a lot of private things about yourself. And I think that's how the consumer really connects with you in the sense of like, I want to support this woman who owns yeah. this business. Who you know, listen, I had the highest sales this month because I decided to give a hundred percent of the proceeds to our meeting. And people were like, they, they just wanted to like help out. And people were upset what happened with the revolve thing where the, the bots were attacked. And it was nice seeing like my community stand up for me. Um, and I had the highest sales this month because of it. I mean, I'm donating the money to the Armenia Fund. I already did. But it was nice seeing that, you know, people were really moved by it. So, so tell us, um, I know that you mentioned that you're working on your second product. It's um, ready to go. It should be ready to launch in three weeks. Huh? Is it a secret? What will it be? What I want to keep it a secret until probably the day before. Yeah. And then the big reveal. The big reveal, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't be a stranger because we want to know what that is too. We want to know what it is so I that we can bless. Like it. I hope you like it. Yes, yes. We'll love it. Well, thank you so much, Diana, for meeting with me and sharing your story with us. I know that everyone's super excited about your next project that you're working on, which includes not only a movie, but your second product. And we yeah. can't wait to see it. Thank you so much. And you did an amazing job. Well, thank you so much. You were a lovely, lovely, lovely guest. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Diana today. I want to send a special thanks to Diana for joining me and sharing her story. It was so much fun learning about her. I hope you all enjoyed this as much as I did. Make sure you check out the video version of our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at Naya Beauty App to stay updated for our next Naya Unfiltered guests. Thanks for listening and see you soon.